1: For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show is Silas Morris. Now, Silas is a Colorado native, a big game hunter, small game hunter, fisherman, and he just likes to do it all. But it's funny because he actually knows my brother and my brother reached out and he's like, dude, you got to get this guy on the show. Silas also filled out a form to be on the show. And so I'm pumped to actually make this happen. Now, if you're listening to this on Thursday, the 27th of July, I am actually up in Superior, Wisconsin right now at BowFest. If you are anywhere in the area, even if you're not, just get up there, do whatever it takes. They've got a ton of archery courses that you can shoot. They've got live music. They've got vendors, food trucks, you name it. They've got it. I'm going to be there recording podcasts live at the event and if you want, stop by the booth, fill out a time and day that you want to come and hang out and chat and be on the show. And I would love to have you, but no more about that. Let's jump onto this episode with Silas. Like he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like we would be Okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. I'm really excited about this episode. Uh, I'm sitting down with Silas Morris and we're going to be talking all about hunting in Colorado, shed hunting elk, deer, you name it. And it was kind of funny. I got a guest submission form from Silas and I believe you said like, hey, I know your brother. And then my brother called me and he's like, hey, dude, you got to have my buddy Silas on. And I'm like, uh okay yeah sure yeah. let's do it so we've been planning it for a while but dude i'm i'm pumped to have you on
0: thank you very much i'm i'm excited to be here man i appreciate it
1: yeah so you're out in colorado you've spent basically your whole life out there and yeah. what i mean colorado is like that destination state for a lot of people so i'm sure growing up there you've got to experience a lot of stuff that us like midwesterners or eastern hunters only dream of doing
0: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think um, uh, from a young age, I mean, my whole family, uh, as we as we harvested animals over the years, we processed our own meat, um, you know, so we, we we took whole animals out if we could. Um, so so when I was young, it was it was just one of those things that um, as cool as hunting is, I got a really good intro to the importance of it, you know, at, at, at a really young age. So I was I was cutting elk and deer um, when I was like seven eight. Um, and that was before I could hunt Colorado can't hunt to 12. So, um, I was finally able to go to my first hunting camp when I was nine. And, um, it was just, you know, as you said, it's a destination spot. I started to realize, and there's people that come from Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, Wyoming, and those are all pretty much border States, you know, but it was the people that are coming from California, the Midwest, you know, uh, people come from New York that you were just like all the way out here you know yeah <laughs> so um so yeah pretty much i've just been uh, uh, immersed in the outdoor uh, lifestyle hunting fishing uh, pretty much my whole life and um i think i have taken it for granted a few times uh, living here in colorado just the, the magnitude of public land that we have and the opportunity out there it's just it's incredible
1: Yeah. And like the amount of work that CPW puts into managing these places, doing population studies, making sure that there's the right amount of tags allocated for each unit. You know, the draw always gets a bad rap because people are like, oh, I don't draw. I don't draw. I don't draw. Well, I mean, there's a rhyme and a reason to it. You know, that they have to mitigate how many people can actually go out there and harvest an animal. Otherwise, 10 years from now, there's not going to be a huntable population in certain areas. If it was just everybody gets over the counter. True. So it's, it's really cool to see the amount of opportunity for non-residents, especially over the counter stuff. Like there are plenty of units. There are plenty of seasons where you can just go and you get to Colorado, buy a tag at Walmart, buy a tag at the CPW, CPW office or wherever. Yeah. And you can be out there hunting and really, when you start breaking down the cost of it for a non-resident, it's not that much. You know, the cost to get yeah. out there, if you yeah. already have all your gear and stuff, then it's just like you know, three hundred bucks for a tag or seven fifty a tag, depending on what yeah. you're trying to go after.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, I think that opportunity is is really big uh, for the out of state uh, guys, and I mean, we need it. You know, we just we need just as many people coming from out of state as we do in state. Um, and, and like you said, the, the gets is such a bad rap. A lot of people are upset because man, I got 10 preference points and I still can't draw this tag, but you know, some guys put in with 18 and of course they're going to get it. Well, if you always look at it with that mindset, then sure. You might be disappointed, you know, yeah. but like you said, if you take control of some of those over-the-counter options, I mean, I have seen some giant elk and deer on, on places that people just would never think to hunt places that are just so overlooked, you know? Um, I mean, some 350 inch elk on over the counter units. It's like, yeah. you know, if you're willing to put in the time, like you said, you're going to drive all the way out there. Um, if you put in the work, you, you can really get into some elk, you know? So it's, a, oh yeah, it, it really is a good thing.
1: Well, and it's, it's a really good option for people who come in from out of state because, Typically, when I talk to people who are going out or wanting to go out for the first time, they don't care. They really don't care what mm-hmm. they shoot. Obviously, everybody wants a 400-inch bull. But at the end sure. of the day, they're like, dude, if I could come back with a raghorn or a spike, you know, if that's yeah. legal in the area they're hunting. Yeah. They're like, dude, if I could just see an elk up close or get a shot at one, like yeah. that would make their whole trip. That would get them hooked. They'd want to come back. And so to have those options where there might not be very intense point restrictions where guys can come out, get a taste for it, and then be set that they're going to do it every year. It's just a really good fit. And then obviously you have your trophy units that everybody's putting in for, but my whole thing is I want to hunt every year, right? I want to go out there. I love the camaraderie. I love uh, just the tradition of it and Going out there and hunting, I would much rather get over the counter tag every year and go out in hopes of shooting a big one. I mean, my smallest bull that I've killed out there so far is a five by six. I mean, I'd yeah. be happy with that again this year. <laughs> yeah. And it's That's like, sad. yeah. Yeah. Like you go out there on public land, there's no fences. You're competing with everybody, you're competing with predators, you're having yeah. to battle the elements and the terrain. And to go out there and be able to do that, meanwhile, I'm building points for a great unit to where maybe one day I get a seven by seven, or I do find that 350 plus inch bull. But my thought is, man, if I can be out there hunting over the counter tags for the next 10 years, 15 years, I might run into one of those bulls anyway. Exactly. And then I cash in all my points. I draw the tag and I go out and I have multiple encounters with bulls like that. I, I just think it's an awesome setup. I know a lot of states do it differently, but I'm very happy with the way Colorado does it.
0: Yes. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, I think the the system is put in place, like you said, uh, you know, to kind of manage numbers and to manage hunters. Uh, so many people think that the division of wildlife doesn't have them in mind. And it's like, they do, you know, they want yeah. everybody to be successful. They want everybody to harvest elk and deer when they're going out there. Um, but they can only do so much if you don't put in the time and the effort that it's going to take, then, then you may not be successful. If, if all you're seeing is raghorns and that's just not good enough for you, well then that's okay. But don't, don't come back and say, man, it sucked. I didn't see anything over 300 inches. Well, that's a pretty high goal. You know? yeah. <laughs> 300 inches is a really nice elk. So, um, you know, I think it's just, it's one of those things of kind of sticking to uh, you know, your guns. And, and like you said, you want to be able to hunt every single year figure out those units, get familiar with those units. And who knows in the 16 years it takes you to draw a a special tag, you might shoot five or six bulls and know exactly how not to approach elk when they're in this situation or that situation. You know, you'll understand more about shot placement. Um, You know, you can't just save 24 points, go out elk hunting and expect them to just walk right up to you. You know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do some trial and error. So I think the the -the over-the-counter, Um, taking some of those, those tags that only take two or maybe two to five points is really valuable.
1: Yeah. And I I like how you were able to do it. I mean, growing up, learning about the meat, the processing, all that. And then even years before getting a tag, being able to go out there and experience what a camp is like, I would recommend that for everybody, especially somebody who has a kid growing up. Like if you want them to be, to have the highest chance of success, On the year that they can first hunt, you know, when they're 12 years old, get them out there at 9, 10, 11, and help them to understand, like, this is why we move this way. When we're going up a ridgeline, we actually stay on the backside if the elk are on the other side. You don't want them to skyline you. Play the wind right. Like, those things, kids pick up on things and learn things so much faster than adults do. And so, it's like, if you can teach them that ahead of time, and for an adult going out there, if they know... Hey, I can't afford to hunt this year. I can't, I, you know, I don't have the money for the $700 over the counter tag, Yeah. but I think I will in a couple of years get out there once or twice that way your odds of success and the amount that you learn is so much greater so that when you do have a tag in your pocket, you just set yourself up even more.
0: I agree. I agree a hundred percent. I mean, my dad, my dad sent us out with, we had a camp of at least 10 people for sure every year for elk and deer camp. And every day my dad would send us out with somebody different because everybody had a different way of hunting. But one person's idea of this is how you find elk and deer. This is how you can glass them early in the morning was way different than this other guys. You know, we had, we had a guy who, who sprayed scent away all over his clothes every minute that he could. And then we had another guy who just took skunk oil and put it on the bottom of his boots and was like, ah, they can't smell you when you smell like a skunk. And it's like, you know, there's two separate, you know, you know, opposite sides there, but they both believe that they worked really well. So it was like you said, the trial and error, the going out and, and seeing what other people are doing to be successful and, and watching the ups and downs of it, you know, seeing these, it used to frustrate me to, you know, my wits. end when I was younger, I'd look at something and say, come on, we, we could shoot that. I didn't yeah. understand. Hey, that's 500 yards away. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's 500 yards and it's this and it's that or whatever. And so, um yeah, it was definitely a, a really nice uh, piece of the puzzle to be able to to grow up and learn a little bit about hunting before I was actually able to pull the trigger. So, um, you know, I, I got all my nerves out when other people had to shoot <laughs> before I actually had to pull the trigger, which really helps. And, oh, and
1: yeah. I'm what? sure,
0: as you would agree, it's the camaraderie at hunting camp. There's nothing like it. And there's just nothing like a good hunting camp. So.
1: It's so great. I mean, to be able to come back, whether you go out and spike camp for a couple of days, or if you make it back to base camp every day, like hearing the stories from everybody, finding out like, mm-hmm. where were you seeing animals? What was their behavior? What were they doing this time of day? And then, yep. like you said, everyone has a different strategy. The group of guys that I hunt with, I am very fortunate to hunt with a lot of people who really know what they're doing. And yep. even, even if they don't shoot an elk every year, they're getting other people on elk and it's like they make a huge priority out of helping further elk hunting in Colorado. They invite people, you know, they've got people from, I think this last year we had like five different States represented just in our elk. And we got, we got seven people bull elk this year. Five of them were first time. It was their first time shooting an elk and like to be able to do stuff like that. It's just, A ton of fun but also like you've got to understand when somebody has been doing it for so long it becomes second nature and so sometimes a fresh set of eyes or a fresh idea coming into camp can help like we we looked heavily at a spot that in the other three years that i went out there we hadn't really paid much attention to and this year we saw so many elk in fact in the final two days that we were hunting we shot three bulls off of this one hillside and it's a spot that normally we just overlook we've got our honey holes we've got these spots where we're like we know we're going to get into them but it took it took one guy from out of state saying hey i'm going to go check up here and then he started saying hey guys there's i'm seeing a lot of elk you know nothing close yet but i i see a lot of bulls from there and so then we all started following him up there and it was like all right let's take a look let's take a look and before you know it we had elk easily within range Uh, like within huntable range and then also some within shooting range, like from the time we got out of the side-by-side, there were a few times where we had elk within shooting range right off the two tracks. So that's crazy. But it's like, it just takes, it takes different ideas. It takes different strategies. And then you can figure out, Hey, this is how I want to do it. I've got my way. Like I've got a way that I really enjoy doing it. I like pushing, pushing the limits. I like going farther back than a lot of people are comfortable with. And I like exploring new country. I've got that wandering mind where it's just like, I bet there's something around that point I'm going to go check. And then when there's not, I bet there's something in that meadow. Let's go over there. And I just like to keep going. It's not for everybody, but I've found that I enjoy hunting more that way. And you, you see new country. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm, I'm kind of the same. I tell so many people like, sitting in a meadow is tough for me. I can, I can't sit very long, Yeah. but I always have that idea that the grass is greener on the other side of the the hill. So you go. And just like you said, well, they're not there. All right, well I'll go farther. And and after a while, when that finally pays off, that's more rewarding that it, that, that you actually navigated everything and made it happen than it is pulling the trigger and getting an elk down, you know? Yeah. Cause you understand what you have to do to get there, you know? So, so it just makes it so much bigger than, than hunting, you know? So it's a,
1: it's awesome. See, I like the adventure side of it too. You know, I, I joke with people. I'm like, man, it'd be awesome if we stepped out of the wall tent in the morning and there was a big bull in the meadow and we yep. shot it. Right. That'd be yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Everybody would be like, that was crazy. It's, it'd be a fun story. The adventure's not there. I wouldn't feel like sure. I worked for it. I'd feel like oh this just happened. I yep. like I like those moments of misery. Maybe not in the moment, but like as <laughs> yeah. soon as I make it back to the top of the mountain with a full load of meat, it's just that feeling of like dude, like I wouldn't trade that feeling for anything. And yep. Yep. I was walking through with a guy today actually. We I played pickleball with some guys this morning and yep. Uh, me and one guy played singles at, after everybody left. And he said something like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm training right now. Like I got to get in the gym. I'm training for yeah. an elk hunt. And I go, wait, what? He's like, yeah, dude, it's my first ever hunt. I'm going to Colorado. Huh. And I go, dude, that's like what I like. I love to hunt. That is my thing. I love yeah. hunting. And he's like, no way. So we ended up going and grabbing breakfast and we started talking and he's like picking my brain about it. And he's like, dude, so what do you have to do? What do you have to do? He's like, man, I don't know. Like I, I've never really like taken a dump in the woods except this other hunting trip. And he's like, dude. And sometimes like, he's like, I went or not a hunting trip, a camping trip. He's like, and then I heard like some footsteps and he's like, dude, I don't know. And I go, if you're not into that stuff, like elk hunting might not be for you, Yeah. but also if, if you're into the physical, if you're into the mental toughness stuff, like pushing yourself past what you think you can do. I'm like, it's amazing. And you'll get used to the other stuff. You'll get used yep. to that dropping trow under a cedar tree and like having to bury it, you know, like, yep, that's exactly. of it. but at the end of it, you doing all of those things that would normally make you uncomfortable are just going to add to the adventure and add to the story.
0: I agree. I think, I think that's a hundred percent. I mean, so many, so many people like they see what I do. So for instance, I'm taking a couple guys that I work with for their first ever hunts this year, we're hunting some mule deer and they're like man i i look at your onyx and it's you know your tracks are miles and miles and miles (laughs) like i don't think i can keep up and i tell them i'm like you know i walk all those miles but that's not to say that by mile one if i'd have waited 15 minutes maybe a deer is going to come through that meadow you know i said i can't cover the whole mount so somebody has to so so going all that all that way in and whatnot only furthers you know, the crap sandwich that you're going to have to eat later when you get one down. So, so I tell him, I'm like, just, just understand, you know, you never want to put yourself in a situation where, um, like you put yourself in a detriment, you've gone too far. You get back there and realize I don't have any help. I don't have a headlamp. I, you know, this is way farther than I thought. So, um, you know, that side can be daunting, but like you said, the, the coming out of it, getting done with it, it's driving away from hunting camp that you're just like, I can't wait to come back next year. Whether yeah. you shot, whether it was the coldest trip of your life, whatever it was, there's something that's always going to stay in the back of your mind and make you want to come back. and And sometimes it's the physical, sometimes it's just being out there in September, hearing elk bugle and getting in them, you know. And for other people, it's just catching up with the family once a year and, and hunting elk. So, yeah, you, know, you gotta approach it at your own at your own pace because if you try to do it like somebody else, it's it's not gonna go good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was, I was just talking the other day to my buddy, Brad. He's been on the podcast before he hasn't done a Western trip with me yet, but something that he, he said stuck with me. He's training for a triathlon right now and he's like, man, running on a treadmill can work, but I like to run away from my vehicle because then when it gets hard, when I start to be tired, then I go, you know what? I have to I have no choice. I took that safety net away. I can't just push stop on the treadmill and walk out to my vehicle. No, I yep. have to run those five miles back to the truck. He's like, exactly. same thing with swimming. He's like swimming in a pool is good, but always in your mind is that I could just get out on this next lap. I could get out on this next lap. He's like, you go to a lake and swim and you swim away from <laughs> your vehicle. You can't, you can't just, all right, I'm in the middle of the way off. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, I like taking the safety net away because it causes me, it forces me to be like, this sucks, but it doesn't matter. I have to do it. Like I have no other option. And that is what I love about going way back in. It's like, you're back there and maybe you didn't see a single elk or a single deer the whole way back there, but then you get into them and it's like, okay, I've got a choice. I can actually try to make a play on these things or I can turn around and head back but as soon as yeah. you pull that trigger you are forced to work you don't have yep. a choice anymore and yep. to put yourself in those positions i look back and those are some of my favorite moments when i'm back there mm-hmm. quartering an elk all by myself and i realize i've got 4 miles out yeah dude it sucks and it, it's like it ne- it feels like it's never going to end in the moment yeah but at the same time when i come back in the next day realizing hey i got to do another load today Guess what? It's worth it. It's so yeah. worth it. And then you get yeah. all the meat back, you get the head back and now you're hanging out at camp and somebody goes got one down back in this area. Let's go do it again. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like it, after after year 1 and my first hike out I was like, dude, this is brutal. Like I don't know about this. Yeah. Now having 3 seasons under my belt, having packed out I don't know. I got to figure out how many elk I've helped pack out so far. It's probably around eight or nine, maybe over 10. It's like, now I look forward to it. I'm like, dude, I want that call on the radio. Hey guys, got one down. I need a couple extra bags. Like somebody come in and give me a hand. That's the type of stuff that now I just get pumped about. Even now thinking about elk season, I'm like, I'm ready to be out there.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's uh I mean, that, that speaks volumes for, for, uh, your interest in hunting, just simply for the fact that, like you said, you've killed three bulls. Is that correct? Yep. But to, but to pack out nine of them or more, or be a part of helping somebody else get one is, um, that's a testament to how, how addicting and how much fun and how passionate, uh, you can be about hunting. And I, I think that's, that's a hundred percent of what we need from here on out in, in the hunting industry. And it's, I'm not going to say we're losing momentum, but, but it's just tough to get people into the thought of hunting because nobody likes dealing with blood or hiking miles and miles. And it's like, you know, I get it, but gosh, it's so rewarding.
1: From mule deer to whitetail and everything in between, Vortex shares your passion for chasing life's wildest moments and has the optics and apparel you need to succeed in the field. I've been running the Fury 5000 range finding binoculars, and I'm excited to officially partner with Vortex this season, head on over to eurooptic.com. That's e u r o o p t i c.com to get 10% off your Vortex order by using code NOMADIC10 at checkout. I like meeting those people too. Uh so Jake, he is the intended parent for a couple that my wife is doing surrogacy for. Okay. And we started talking and he's like, dude, I want to elk hunt so bad. He's like, I don't even care if I have a tag or a weapon. I want to come out, put me to work, teach me about camping in the back country and staying yep. out there. And how do you find these animals? Give me a bag of meat and I'll carry it out for somebody. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I love meeting those people who are like, it doesn't matter if it's me. I want to experience it. I want to be part of it. And then, you yeah. know, obviously it's even better when you can get them on one. But exactly. I hear that from more and more people. And I think people like Joe Rogan and cam Haynes and David Goggins and John Dudley and the whole meat eater crew, they've done a really good job of getting people excited about the work part of it. Yeah. You know, it, it it used to be like as comfortable as you can get, get this tree stand. It's like a lounger up in the, up in the tree. Like you sit here, you're so comfortable. You're going to fall asleep. Like bring a neck pillow. I'm like, dude, no elk hunting is the opposite. And sitting in yeah. a tree stand, that's work, man. Like it's sitting tough. there and being alert all day long is work. I'm not trying to discredit that, but there's there's like a movement of comfort and like this is going to be enjoyable and relaxing. And then there's yeah. the whole movement of like go out there and bust your butt and you will not regret a single second of it when it's all said and done. And I just Dude, it just gets me excited. I'm like so pumped and ready yeah. to go hunting right <laughs> now. Man. Yeah,
0: I, uh, I cannot wait. I have, uh, I have uh, an either sex uh, archery tag for this year for elk. So I'll do that during the archery season. And then I have that rifle deer tag that I was talking about. But uh, this will be the first year that I'm really just going to dedicate 100% of my time in September to, to chase an elk. And, uh, I got a couple spots that I've been going to, but like you, it's just, you check trail cameras, you go in there you shed hunt, you kind of, you know, you do a little camping trip. We've done a couple this year so far in there. And it's just like, you almost don't want to go back until it's time. Cause it's just such a tease, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and so, it is. <laughs> It's just like, man, it's so tough to wait, but then sometimes it seems like it just flies by, you know, and then you, you look at your like I track most of my miles every year and it's just like you look at the miles that you hiked just hunting and it's like, Holy smokes. Imagine if I'd have done that for all the shed hunting. I did all the scouting that I've done. Like you put in so much and yet it goes so quickly that I think a lot of people are, are just like, Oh man, you got the whole month of September. It's like, it it feels like a week once it really happens, you know? So, so yeah, I'm like you, I can't wait. I'm excited. My wife's always just like, man, you're always talking to somebody or calling somebody about hunting <laughs> it's like i'm sorry i just can't can't go a day without doing it
1: yeah when when i get trail camera pictures of deer here in missouri i'm on the phone for like two hours as soon as i yeah. get a new buck it's just like i work yeah. through all the people that have <laughs> to know about this deer yeah. and my yeah. wife's like you're so crazy it's just a picture i'm like yeah but it's an awesome picture and it's an awesome yeah, deer so and <laughs> hopefully those are the same people i call when i actually shoot it this year
0: exactly yeah
1: What, uh, so you mentioned nine years old, you started going to hunting camp at 12. What was your first tag? Was it an elk tag?
0: It was. So I had, I had a cow elk tag and then I had a doe mule deer tag Nice. and, um, the tough, I say it's tough. It's it it was actually really good for our family, but so I have a twin brother and then I have an older brother who's three years older than us. So when I was nine, he was actually able to hunt that year. And then when I was able to hunt, he was still hunting. So we had my dad, my older brother, and then me and my twin. And my dad always structured it with the, t- with the points where if I had a point for an elk one year, my brother had a point for a deer that year. Oh, okay. So every, every single year that we were hunting, it was like, you better shoot first or you might not get to shoot at all because we don't need two elk and two deer. You yeah, know, we just couldn't take all that, all that meat. So, um, I shot a doe opening day when I was 12 and I was ecstatic. And then uh, my brother had shot a cow. That was his first kill, uh, same year. And then my older brother shot a buck. So we were already two deer in and, and one elk. And um, I begged my dad to let me shoot this cow. And he's like, no, no, no. You oh, know, we man. don't need that. And uh, coincidentally, the next year, because um, I picked up that doe tag uh, leftover, the next year I finally had a buck tag. And same thing, everybody else shot before me and we had way too much meat. And I begged my dad again. And he's like, if you promise you'll cut it up. So I'm like, yeah, I promise. Bang, hit him, get back home. And I'm just like, I don't want to cut this freaking deer up, you know, <laughs> like you'd already done, you know, an elk and two other deer. And it's just like, man, but, but I promised. So I had to. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's the harsh reality like that, where, where, like I said, I learned early on, like. Pulling the trigger is fun, but there's a ton of work that happens before and after you pull that trigger. And uh so now for the most part I never pass anything up. If it's if it's barely legal, you can guarantee I'm shooting at it. So yep. yeah. So so yeah, that was a that was really fun, uh fun hunt and, and I really do push. I'm sure a lot of a lot of states have really good youth hunting opportunities but Colorado, whether you're resident or non-resident is insane for youth opportunity. I mean, you yeah. get second draw. Now that they got rid of the leftover list uh, primarily second draw goes hundred percent to youth. So most any tags that I put in for this year, second draw were eaten up by the yep. youth hunters. And, and it's like, that's a good thing. We need more of that. Right. So um, yeah, I always push youth hunting opportunities. Take, take the kids
1: i i was talking to my buddy sean uh who invited me to elk camp i was talking to him about this same exact thing because i thought for sure like i'm gonna get a buck tag for our unit (laughs) and i put in for it and i had like two points and normally it only takes one point and i didn't get it and i was like dude what in the world and then i saw that there were more buck tags for that unit in the second draw And I was like, Oh yes, dude. Like, all right, I'm going to put it in again. I'm going to get it. I'm going to put in for the unit, the next unit South of that and hopefully get one of the two. Yep. Didn't get either of them. And he's like, dude, those things go to youth hunters, man. Youth hunters are priority. And you know, there's people I'm sure that are like, dude, are you kidding me? What the heck, man? That's stupid. I've been hunting for me. I'm like, awesome. I would give up a tag every year. Yep. for a youth hunter to get into it and to go out there and experience you know what it is to be out here hunting to yeah. do all this stuff to put in the work to process the meat to to eat the meat to just yeah. be out in creation it's totally worth it to me so i love i love that they prioritize youth hunters i love that most states have a youth season before like rifle season starts yep. Yep. so that their odds of getting one are higher that they can go out there and not have yep. to deal with all the other pressure it's just i don't know man now that i've got a son that's old enough here to hunt like he won't he's he's got another six years before he can hunt out in colorado but here in missouri six years old you can hunt and so i'm like dude that's awesome almost every day i get trail camera pictures and he goes dad when can i hunt with you again when can i hunt with you again and i'm like dude it's gonna happen bud like we're gonna get you out there you're gonna shoot yeah Hopefully he's going to get a buck or a doe this year. I don't really care which one. I don't think he really cares which one just to get him out there. Oh man. And I always said, I wasn't going to be that dad that let him play on like the iPad or the phone. But I'm like, dude, if he's out there and he's helping me look for animals and it gets to the point where he's bored and wants to go home, I'd rather him be in the blind with me on an iPad. than get rewarded at home. Like when he's out there, I want him to have the time of his life so that he yep. wants to continue to do it
0: exactly yeah there's there's ups and there's downs and and that, i think that is the trouble in taking youth hunting is is the attention span is i mean they're they're so smart that they might start focusing on this squirrel or or the way that the leaves blow in that tree over there and they just you know it's not that they lose interest in the whole thing they're just paying attention to so many things at one time yeah that uh, you know when it comes to hunting you got to realize like you got to scan the woods cuz i can't tell you how many times you're sitting there and you look to the left for 30 seconds, you look back, right. And here's something 20 yards from, you, you know? Yep. So, um, I agree with you. Keep them in the woods as much as you can. I mean, I've, I've heard a couple, uh, obviously Josh has talked about it, but I heard in one of your podcasts, like your mom has like the buddy heater, and she can cook stuff yep. out of the stand in there. And it's like, you know, I, I have nothing against that because the first year I went to Wisconsin, I was literally like, well, I can just chop my toes off right now and start <laughs> cooking those because they're gone. You know, I have yep. definitely have frostbite. Like, I, I'm not, I will not talk to any smack about that because as long as it's comfortable, um, Hey, do it, you know, get the kids yeah. out there,
1: keep them out there, dude. And I, I feel like building those memories and the traditions of even like it's early mornings. He never once complained about getting up in the morning, which I was super excited about. He was That's like, yeah. are we going? So we get them all dressed up. We get them all just, I mean, covered it. Like he could barely walk. I mean, he was just <laughs> so like covered up man. and stuff. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And then it was like, all right, bud, let's stop at the gas station. You want to go get a snack for today? Yeah. Yeah. And then he <laughs> picks out a bag of chips and some hostess or yeah. a Twinkie okay. or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And he's just so excited. And then, yeah. like, seeing the look on his face, we'd be sitting there. And I'm talking. He's, like, sitting there tuned into his iPad after two hours of sitting. And yeah. then all of a sudden, he goes, Dad, I just heard a deer. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> you did? And I, I know. Full well, that there is not a deer close enough for him to hear because we're hunting the edge of a field. You know, it's like (laughs) thin woods behind us, but I can see everything. I've been paying attention and I'm just like, dude, let's run with this man. All right, let's see if we can see it. Where do you think it is? And it's like, and then it turned into every five minutes. Did you hear that, Dad? I heard a deer. Let's look around again. Yeah, I tell
0: him, get get on the binos. Let's see (laughs) if we can see, you know, where they are. Yeah.
1: It's so much fun. So, okay. So you had you had a doe tag and a cow tag from there. I mean, being in a land of so much opportunity for a big game hunter, what, like, what was the one thing that stuck out to you that you were like, dude, this is it. Like if I had to give up all other hunting, this is what I want to go after.
0: So you're saying what, what made that happen? What brought that realization to the forefront
1: or yeah, I would say like, how did you, how did you find like the one animal you're most passionate about and what is it about that animal?
0: Um, so I would say I'm most passionate about mule deer probably. Um, and that's simply because, um, again, my dad put us in for a lot of meat tags, So we got a lot of does and cows when we could, and I didn't have, uh, you know, anything against that. But when we were seeing elk, we were seeing twenty-five cows to one bull, and sometimes that bull wasn't even legal. Yeah. So growing up, my my idea was always, man, I'm seeing a lot more bucks that are huge, you know, big and legal bucks than I am bulls. So so I instantly transitioned over just to being a mule deer guy. I just I like the way the horns look. That you know, the wider they get, the better they look. They're just they're, you know, they live in the mountains, they live in the ruggedness. It's just like, you see one out there and and you just appreciate them. Yep. Um, but as I got older, I started to do more hunting and started to realize, all right, I got to try to do this elk thing. Uh, I think I'm slowly transitioning to an elk guy now because it's okay. just like, yeah, I've, I've, I've never killed a bull. So I've shot eight cow elk, never killed a bull. Um, and, and I guess I'm kind of salty. I, w- I would choose mule deer because the one bull that I really did hit pretty good that I knew he was going down, he ran across this open hillside and I'd only taken three bullets. I don't know why, but I felt rushed. So we got out of this guy's truck. I only grabbed three bullets, saw this bull like five minutes after that, shoot him twice. But my brother and the other guy are down the hill, aim up one more time, miss hit a tree. And I'm just standing there with a rifle and no shells. And I'm thinking, what the heck? My brother comes up, he throws me a not six shell and I shoot again, miss and the bull runs away. Well, he ran to this dude's camp and this guy, no lie comes out in like his long underwear, whitey tighties, no shirt on and hip fires like this rusty trusty seven mag with a cigarette in his mouth. Boom. From like the front step of his little like pop up trailer. And this elk just crumbles right in front of him. And I walk over there. I'm like 16 and I'm like, yeah. Hey, I hit that one twice. And, He's like, Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. I just, I just shot him right here. I'm thinking, well, yeah, but like, that's my elk. Yeah. And, and I, I was just so salty about it. My dad told me, he's like, you know, the one who puts down is the one who gets it. And at that point, like, you should kick yourself in the butt more for not taking more rounds than you should for that guy shooting it and taking it from you. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. If I had another bullet, it might've gone well, but who knows?
1: So, that would be a tough one to swallow, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it
0: geez. was it was one of the hardest things I had to do and everybody's like like everybody kept telling me, "Oh, I saw the bull. He was small." And I'm like, "It was a legal bull. I don't care That'd... how small it was, you know. I I've never shot one." So, um, yeah, that was the only one that I actually hit that I was like, "Oh, he'll go down." Until he ran right to that camp and I was like, "Oh, no." <laughs> so,
1: Dude, yeah, that's just uh, bad luck, man. But It is. It, it's funny how many people get into that. I mean, coming from a Midwestern hunter, right? You shoot an animal one time. Like, it is almost frowned upon in the whitetail world to shoot it a second time. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know why. I really, yeah. it, it just blows wondering... my mind. Why? And I don't know if it's a point of pride. Like, oh, dude, I smoked it right in the boiler room. First shot, double yeah. lung, heart shot, whatever. And I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many times you shoot it. Obviously, you want to be putting good shots on it. But it's sure. like it you shoot it until it's down. And that's something that I didn't really adopt until I moved to Colorado and started elk hunting. Yeah. And the one guy was like, dude, we've shot I can't remember. It was one of the guys at camp shot an elk like twelve times one year.
0: Holy and smokes. I'm
1: like twelve <laughs> times? I'm like, bro, you gotta get better at shooting. And he goes, dude dan you haven't hunted elk yet man you don't understand how tough these things are and i'm like yeah okay whatever and i start watching videos and i watch videos of these guys who are shooting elk at like 500 yards Mm -hmm. you can see the vapor trail you can see the impact on the elk and it'll just eat it i'm like dude that's right behind the shoulder and then all of a sudden they reload boom again and to watch these elk just stand there not even run yeah just stand there and take round after round
0: and not given,
1: move. given like, you go through the heart. It still takes time, you know, mm-hmm. unless you spine it, there's no yep. guarantee that it's going to drop right away. Yeah. And that happened to me last year. That happened to me. My first year I shot my first elk. I mean, just smoked it 333 yards. I think that's what it was. Something like that. Anyways, yep. shoot it. I mean, it's quartering to me, put it right in between the brisket and the shoulder. But, I mean, I hear just that thud. And I'm yep. like, dude, smoked him. And he just stood there. I start to reload. A cow bumps him. He takes off running. So, we're like, all right, let's go down there. Like, he's going to be dead. He's just going to be piled up behind a cedar tree. Yeah. We walk down. I look over, and he's standing at 100 yards staring at me. Yeah. I'm like, no way. We both, me and my buddy, pop up on the tripods. Boom. Boom. Same time, shoot, and he drops. I walk yeah. over, didn't find a drop of blood. Not a single drop. And we both confirmed that it hit him. We're like, oh, yeah. dude, smoked him. We both confirmed it. Not a single drop of blood from where he was when I first shot to where he ended up this yeah. last year. Same thing. Much longer shot. I shoot, and I just see him buckle. And he stands there. And there's another. There's a five-by-five five standing right in front of him. And they're both standing broadside. Like nothing ever happened. Yeah. I'm like, I'm putting another one in him. I know I hit him good. Yeah. Another one in boom. And he dropped on the second one, but I'm like, dude, what if he, what if he decided to run by the time I could get on him for a second shot? He could be a thousand yards away or a thousand yards farther. And it just, I'm, I am now definitely a firm believer. Make your first shot count after that, as many rounds as it takes, You don't want to lose an animal. You really don't like there's no worse feeling. If you're an avid listener of this podcast, you've probably heard me talking about infinite outdoors in the past. Infinite outdoors is expanding access for hunting and fishing on private land across the country from whitetail hunts in Missouri to waterfowl hunts in Wyoming and pheasant hunts in Colorado. They provide access to over a million acres of private land listings for all types of hunting and fishing. Best part is, it's incredibly easy to browse and book properties all on the Infinite Outdoors app. The app is free to download and easy to use. All you have to do is sign up and you can browse over 250 different adventures across 10 states. Download the app today and use Nomadic 15 for 15% off your membership.
0: Yeah, no, no. My dad always said, keep feeding them pills, like just keep giving them to them, you know, until, until they got to go down. I mean, and I think also what's helped with, with the, you know, the impact, you know, figuring out if you did hit or didn't hit is good optics, Yeah, you know, good optics and a phone scope, being able to set that up. Even if you're by yourself, you set that up. All right. You don't get a vapor trail, but you can slow that down on your phone and see a ripple maybe or something or see dirt and go, Oh yeah, I completely did miss them. Yep. But I can't tell you how many times we've we've had people in our camp say, oh, yeah, he's like 300 yards, but I must have missed him because he just stood there, and then they meandered into the trees. And six days later, we're finishing out, and we walk through there to go hunting, and you're like, what's that smell? And sure enough, there's a dead bull 100 yards below where that guy said he hit it. Never yep. went in because he's like, I missed him. There's no way he wouldn't flinch or run or do something, you know, but – but that's how it goes. They're just tough animals, man. They got to live out there 365 days a year. Yep. That, that would make you a pretty tough son of gun, man. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. I, I was talking to Josh about this the other day, cause I think he's going to come out to elk camp with me this year. Oh, and nice. I, I was talking to him about like a rifle, right? Cause he's got a good rifle. I was like, you know, I've got two really good rifles that you could use for out there. Yeah, I said, but at the end of the day, we could both shoot one it's less weight to pack in we're going to be together the whole time yeah. and we're we're to the point now where i'm like i don't shoot multiple like if it's me and a couple people the plan is not to shoot as many elk as we can and so, have to track three different elk you know yeah. like you shoot and if it goes down then yeah then go ahead you can shoot an, a second one yeah but i'm i'm not into the whole there's 35 elk. Everybody get on one, you know, like, dude, (laughs) not happening, man. I've, I've come, I've come into situations like that where people are like, dude, we hit five of them. And I'm like, Oh, you hit five of them. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's like seven of us. Okay, sweet. And it's like, (laughs) you know what? Two of them dropped. Where are the other ones at? Like you got to find them. And it's like, there's certain scenarios where maybe that could work with pigs Dude, when I pig hunt, it's like everybody unloads their rifle on as many <laughs> pigs as you can, right? Yeah.
0: And if they're that's, close enough, throw the rifle.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know? Dude, put the bayonet on and just go out. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, dude, that, that yeah. terrain is not a spot that you want to have to be tracking a wounded animal, yeah. much less multiple. And so that's what I told Josh. I was like, dude, we can both bring out rifles or we can just hunt with the same one. Yep. but. I I think this is the thing that got him to want to bring his own rifle. He's like, "So do I get first shot then?" <laughs> I go, "I'm going to tell you the same thing that I was told from my buddy who got me into this is that you get first shot unless it's bigger than anything I've shot, then you just better be faster." And he's <laughs> like, "Oh dude, oh, it's on. It's on. Oh, I'll yeah. be faster."
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: that's I, a that's that's a good way to go about it. I mean, I think he'll have a good time out there. I mean, the elk woods yeah. are good. And it sounds like, uh, I mean, you hunt with the Lashinskys, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So they, they're definitely a good group of people. I've heard, I've heard about them. Um, so yeah, that'll be a good time. And and definitely, I, I agree with you going out with one, like you said, you shot your bull last year and there's a five by five sitting right there next to him. Well, that's an easy situation where it's like, well, the rifle is set up now. You just got to get behind it, shoulder it, figure it out, you know, and pop off another shot it happens far too often where, where you bring a rifle and you tote it around for nothing all day. And you're just like, yeah, what was this? <laughs> you know?
1: See, I told my buddy the same thing. I was like, when, when he and I were up on the mountain, I shot that bull and the other one was still standing there. And I go, dude, you want to shoot that other one? He's like, Oh dude, I can't hit that thing with my rifle. I go, well, I just smoked that one twice with mine. You can use mine. Yeah. And he's like, "Ah." Oh dude, I really don't want to pack two bulls out of there. (laughs) And I go, okay, no problem, man. Like, no pressure. I get that. Very conscious And looking back, I'm like, man, I'm kind (laughs) of glad he decided to use restraint because that would have been a tough pack out. And it's like, again, you never know. You've got one bull down several miles in, and then maybe the other one, you hit it good, but it runs out of sight and dies. Now you're like, now you have to postpone quartering your bull, to go and try and find and finish Figure off this other, other one and yeah. so it's just like man it can get hairy in in a hurry out there and yeah i think i think josh will have a lot of fun i think it's going to be a good year at camp i'm expecting that there's going to be a lot less hunting pressure in those winter kill units yeah. i think people are going to see those and go i'm going to a different over the counter because yeah. it's just not it's not yeah. worth it if you know the season's shorter if there's less animals if whatever you know cpw uh determines so we'll see how it goes but so far that unit i'm 100% on big game tags so that's uh, crazy man if josh comes out there i'm and i don't get an animal i'm going to blame it all on him <laughs> yeah he's not coming back that's for sure <laughs> yeah yeah you get one shot <laughs> dude don't... you come out here if you mess this up for me you're done
0: yeah. Yeah. And don't send him my way either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't send him your way. I don't know, man. It sounds like he's got a pretty hot spot for shed. So that might yeah. be a trade that you got to make. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I might have to tell him, Hey man, I'll put you on some elk and deer maybe if you put me on some sheds.
1: So yeah, we'll have to see. So when you go out shed hunting, I mean, are you primarily hunting the same area that you uh, like rifle or archery hunt?
0: Uh, yeah, for the most part, I always did. I, I started branching out in the last, like, maybe three or four years and actually kind of using using more intel, using Onyx and, and doing things like that just to try and find what else is out there. Uh, but, yeah, for the most part, my rifle spot that, that um, I like to go over the counter for rifle season is um, when I found a 340-inch set of elk sheds out there one year during the rifle season, and I, I throw them on my back and I'm walking for, like, half a mile and these things are just clanging around me and banging around i didn't have a pack designed for it at that point and i'm just like this isn't it like i gotta figure stuff <laughs> out so i hike them all the way back to camp another three miles and then go back out hunting but it was like i think that year in that was 2021 in five days i found 26 sheds during hunting season it was like what? and people are like what like how'd you find those you must not have been hunting and i'm like when I don't mean to be like that guy, but when I said I literally tripped over a few of them, like I'm not lying. (laughs) You're know, you just looking forward and it's like you kick it and you go, man, it kind of sounded like an antler. Turn around and and sure enough. So um, since 2021, I just, I hit a lot of that unit. Um, and, And I think it's just, it just has a lot of, has a lot of what they want early in the year as well as late in the year. So you get a pretty good resident herd of elk as well as a lot of small pockets of resident deer. So, um, it's a pretty sweet spot, but I'll be honest with you. I just got hit with the whitetail bug. Me and my brother-in-law started just hammering the public land. What few public land there is east of I-25 here. And, um, man, I found that I I would assume it'd probably be like 150 inch whitetail if I had both sides. But as soon as I found that, I was like, all right, it's time to start, time to start focusing on the whitetail thing.
1: (laughs) Dude, whitetail is just the weirdest addiction. I mean, it is. if you look at them compared to a mule deer, yeah. like mule deer just have such crazy antlers. And you get some crazy antler growth with whitetail, but yeah. it's like the body size is smaller than mule deer, obviously much smaller than elk. As yeah. far as like antler deer species go, for some reason, it's the number one targeted species in the country. Yeah. And I'm like, I, for me, I've got a I've got a special place in my heart for it because that's what we grew up doing. I mean, it was like every year, nine days out of the year, we're sitting in the Whitetail Woods, yeah. and it was just the coolest thing. Like looking back, oh man, so and so shot this buck here 15 years ago. Look at what we got last year. And yeah, back in those early days, it's like anything with antlers was ins- like you were just so pumped about it. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. But for me now. I still love going back there. I have no idea what deer are on the property. I still love going and sitting on that hillside in the winter chasing after whitetail. But here in Missouri, my new passion has become just documenting them and like learning the animals, figuring out where they're going to be, when they're going to be there, watching them year after year. Like, okay, last year little brother, I mean, he was like 110 inches. Let's see what he puts on this year. Whoa, he's 130 inches this year. Yep. All right, what's he going to be next year? And I feel like getting to know one specific animal is what it's all about for me now. Yeah. Like, I love just honing in and being like, dude, I know all five of those bucks names. I yep. know what they're going to do. I know which one's going to come out of the woods first. I know when they're going to come out, where they're going to cross the fence. And so I don't know if that's, kind of the reason that so many people are into it but there there is something special about whitetail deer
0: yeah i could i could tell you for sure uh growing up like i knew we had whitetails in colorado but we never worried about trying to hunt them we always just went west because there wasn't that much public land yeah Yeah, but but that's what always intrigued me was these people that would have these videos and, and trail cam pictures and say this is him when he was two this is him when he was five and you're just like what the heck and um yeah, definitely. When I got my first, I've been going to Wisconsin for four years now, ever since I met my wife. I've been going back there to hunt in Clark County, and um, man, it's just like, it's a whole different beast. Like Coming from the West, I thought that was crazy, but then I sat a swamp opening day, and like I said, I was just about ready to chop my toes off and cook them for breakfast, because I was like, this is freezing. Like It's, it's freezing, cold.
1: and I it's mean, like, the amount of shots you hear, people don't understand. Oh like, you go sit anywhere. You can sit in the middle of the city in yeah. Wisconsin, and you're going to hear gunshots from the whole county all around you. It's and insane. You drive down the highway, and you look out, and every woodlot has hunters yep. in it. Every field has tower blinds in it. And yeah. it is, dude, there's nothing like it, man. That's there is- Elk camp and Wisconsin whitetail, whitetail season, those are two hunts that I don't ever miss, and I don't can, ever I plan to. I can back to.
0: that up. I, I'm the exact same way. I will not miss a season hunting whitetails, and I mean, I I finally shot one last year, big old eleven pointer, you know. Oh yeah, uh, the old Wisconsin <laughs> but,
1: eleven point.
0: Oh yeah, but I mean, I was I was happy with it because it's just like you said, the opportunity to come out west for people from the Midwest or wherever and harvest something. Sometimes it's bigger than that, and yep. and being able to go to those hunting camps and be brought into traditions like deer drives that they don't let. But certain people do this because deer drives can get kind of sketchy, you know? Yeah. So, so people are inviting you in, they invite you to their homes, you know, you, you meet so many people. And it's just like, that's why that, that giant 11 pointer was so worth it because it's like, I get to come here and do all this camaraderie stuff, but also take some meat home. You know, it's, you just can't beat it. There's yeah. just something about it. Unrivaled. Right.
1: I respect the guys who go out and do the solo hunter stuff. Like you go out by yourself, you film everything, you pack everything in and out, but something about the, the camaraderie and the fellowship of hunting for Mm -hmm. me, like I can't get away from it. I love, it doesn't matter if I'm going and fishing a local pond, frog gigging, dove hunting or big game. Like I love hunting with other people.
0: I'm the same. Yep. I, I, I enjoy it more than more than anything because i mean being solo is is fun there's something that you learn about yourself when you're out there you hear the coyotes and you're six miles back in the back country of colorado and the coyotes are yipping and you hear a noise around your tent you're just like man i wish somebody else was here Um, (laughs) but but for the most part yeah like it's always good getting out solo but i'm i'm always about having somebody else there because it's just fun it's fun to share it you know it. It's, it's going back and saying you wouldn't believe that buck that I saw. And people are like, yeah, right. And you're like, well, ask Terry, you know, he saw it too. Like, yep. or ask such and such versus, man, I saw the biggest elk and people are like, yeah, sure you did. Uh huh. You got to be that guy in camp. Like I promise you, he was right there, you
1: know? So, um, See yeah. when, when we're at elk camp and somebody says that typically I'm like, all right, you know, we know them, they're here. I've got, or like, I believe them. The, one of the funniest things, and I look back on it and I'm like, do, do these guys really think they were throwing us off that much? We get right. out there and we meet these guys on the trail. No idea who they are. But, like, I like to sit and talk to people yep. and just like, hey, how's it going? You know, what tag do you have? Whatever. And they're they're like, man, uh, we're, we're elk hunting. And we're like, oh, okay, sweet. Yeah, so are we. And they're like, dude, we just saw a 300-plus-inch bull right over here. And I'm like, What? like are you serious right now and they're like oh yeah dude he was a monster man he's gonna be in there again and i'm like oh awesome then for the next eight days we never saw those people hunt that area again yeah and i'm like guys you're in an over-the-counter unit you just saw a 300 plus plus inch bull and you never went back I'm not an idiot, but I'm pretty sure you didn't see a 300 plus inch bull. If I had seen a 300 plus inch bull in that area, unless he got bumped out, I would be in there constantly going, okay, look, we didn't spook him. He's still probably hanging out. Like if we just hang out near this meadow, maybe he's going to pop out. We're going to glass it at least once or twice a day. And it's just really funny, man. Caller. I get it. You don't want to give up your hunting spots, but I've said it multiple times on the podcast. You run into somebody from out of state in Colorado. Yeah. And they'll tell you everything you could possibly want to know. They, they'll they tell you every animal that they've seen, how big, how many. You run into somebody from Colorado, and the answer is always that the big animals are on the farthest corner of the unit. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yep. It's but, like, but oh, that's weird. Why don't you hunt there then?
0: Yeah, exactly. Apparently, they're not looking for big animals because they're hanging out where no animals are oh dude i haven't seen i
1: I haven't seen an elk over here for years yeah why are you camped 200 yards from me then like why not go camp where all the big ones hang out
0: i'm the same way if i see somebody in state out of state whatever i'm telling you where i saw some animals because we're all out here trying to get it done on public land yeah most of the time it's on an over-the-counter tag i'm just like you know if you're crazy enough to go up into that timber and push them out i'll sit right here Yep. but they're in there you know <laughs> like you go push them around we need people to get all those elk out of those pockets or they're never gonna make their way out you know oh yeah you're never, you're never gonna see them if you don't get enough hunting pressure and so uh yeah the guy's seeing 300 inch elk and, and backing out for the rest of the season it's a little suspect
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I've talked to a couple people like uh there was one group of people I think it was my second year hunting and they did we we got back in there maybe it was my first year. And they're like, dude, we shoot a big bull back here every year. And they're like, we just packed one out yesterday. And we're like, no way. Like, I can't believe these guys are telling me this right now. Yeah. And they're like, we go to the deepest, darkest, nastiest spots. And there will be a bull in there somewhere. They're like, they just know. Nobody's going to come back here after them. We're the only ones dumb enough to go and do it. And they're like, it sucks. It's way harder than, you know, two track hunting. It's way harder than only hunting off your four wheeler side by side. He's like, but you can get it done. And so I was like, man, I respect that. They were like, Hey, just a heads up. This sucks. And it's really hard, but if you do it, your odds are going to go through the roof. So it's, it's a fine line for sure, especially at a camp that I've been invited to not giving too much away to people who ask. Yeah, and there are plenty of times where I play really dumb. I just meet some random dude who hunts, and he's like, "Oh, what unit do you hunt in Colorado?" And I'm like, "Oh man, I uh, I I don't know. It's maybe got I, a one of the over it. counter one. Yeah, it's one of that. those over the uh, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know yeah. why I don't just say like, dude, I can't tell you that, man. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the, there's there's definitely that level of hey, this is their spot. They invited me. I'm not going to give it away. But yeah. also. I'll tell people, like, dude, when you're on a side-by-side, don't think that there's not elk close by. They might be yep. tucked right underneath the road, right underneath you, and you just have to walk out to a point and look back. We've seen it over and over. Like, yep. just because there's human activity doesn't mean they're out of the county. Like, they it's... might they might just find a hole where they don't think you're going to see them from and hang out there the whole season.
0: Yep. Yep. We got a, we got a lot of people in our old elk camp that that's how they would do it. They would drive the two track and they would just stop. And, you know, if you got, if you got like a little bowl or a basin and, you know, they drive on this side, well, they glass into that side. Yeah. You know, you come around on the South side and now you're glassing into the North side. And every time it's like, Oh, there's one. Puts back around and then go, Oh, I think we've got a drop in right here. And sure enough, they would always shoot animals. It's like, yeah. well, you know, yeah, yeah. You're going to find them out in the wilderness areas and those pockets where not a lot of people want to go but sometimes elk are just moving all night and the sun starts coming up and they go, "Huh, let's bed down right here. And they have no clue. There's a road 75 yards above them. It's just a good place to bed, you know? So you just never, you never know the opportunity out there. It's, it's plentiful for sure.
1: Dude. I, man, I just can't wait. I know we're coming up on an hour, but man, you're like what, two months out huh from yep. archery yep. season
0: months out yep uh we got pretty much yeah the end of july here and then the whole month of august just to sit here and twiddle our thumbs and <laughs> <laughs> try not to do anything stupid so yeah yeah i'm excited about it I'm, I'm super excited i just uh i just got a new uh matthews halon the six so yes uh, i'll be shooting that this year i, I switched from uh from a diamond um, okay but, but, uh, you know, I just, I just wanted to get a bow to get into it. And then, uh, this last year I'm like, all right, let me get a, let me get something. I can bump up the poundage. I mean, I'm six, five, so had a pretty long draw length. So, so yeah, it was kind of good to get something that had a little more punch to it. So hopefully we can put it to work. We'll see.
1: Heck yeah, man. Well, that's exciting. Good luck this season. And I'm sure we'll be in touch, uh, before we hop off, where can people find you? Where can they check out your content or follow along?
0: Uh, so I am on Facebook. I don't do a ton on there, but I'm trying to get back to it. Uh, most of my, most of my stuff and my content will be on Instagram. That's at silas.outdoors. Um, uh, I have that. And I also have another page on there, CO3 outdoors. Uh, and that's kind of just something where I post, uh, my success, brother, success, friends, fishing, hunting, all that stuff. So nice. yeah, a couple pages to follow along with.